come to worship. We're going to shout your name until the walls come falling down. In this place is a place of freedom. There is freedom in this place. God is in this place. When the presence of God shows up, the chains fall off. There was such a powerful moment because I looked around and everybody had their hands up. And I knew people were being set free in that moment. I read a letter on the way or before church this morning and it was a letter from a, from a, from a young man whose life is just out of control right now. He wanted to send a letter because he's, he's locked up now. And he said, I just want to let y'all know that I love my church family. And I was ashamed. And I didn't come into church because I was ashamed and I didn't, I didn't want to, I didn't want, I, there was just shame on me and, and I'm sorry. And I want to let you know right now, God is not ashamed of anything. God is not ashamed of any addictions. God is not ashamed of any hurt. God is not ashamed of any past failures. This place is a place of freedom. There is freedom in this place. If y'all believe that, give God one more good shout of praise right now. God is so, so, so good. And if y'all are able, y'all can go ahead and take your seat. I know it's hard to sit down after some powerful worship like that. My name is Drew, and I'm the executive pastor here at Transformation Church. Whew. Just want to be hopefully the 15th person, if you're a guest, the 15th person that has welcomed you. I want to be number 15 because I hope you were loved as soon as you hit that parking lot. And I hope you were loved all the way to your seat. We love our guests. We want to honor our guests. We love y'all. Just God is doing so, so many amazing things. And as you can see through our worship, we're a little bit of a rowdy church. And that's okay. We can, we can, we can scream at the TV when UT is on. And we can yell. And we can get crazy. And we can go to our kids' softball and, and, and baseball games. And we can yell out there. And, and some of the teams, they really ain't that good. But we can get crazy out there. Right? So we should be able to come in God's house and get crazy for him, right? Amen. Amen. Pastor Jamie, our lead pastor, has taken a much-needed little vacation. The funny thing about it is I think about they're out in California and they're camping, and any of y'all who knows Pastor Jamie's stories knows that he doesn't really like to camp that much. So he's going to come back with some great stories. He spent some time out there with his son, Jude. He deserves a break every now and then. Come on, y'all. Amen. He deserves a break. But he did not want to leave us without the word in our last message in the essential sermon. It's such a powerful message. Can't wait to share it with you. Sit back and watch. Good morning, Transformation Church. What's up, everybody? It's so awesome to be in the house of God this morning. I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, my name's Jamie. I am the lead pastor here, one of the pastors, and um, it's just an honor that you'd be hanging out with us today. Uh, here at Transformation Church, every week we gather around the person of Jesus Christ. We don't gather around principle. We don't gather around theory or theology. Uh, one of our mission statements is uh, that we would experience God. And so uh, we come together to experience God through his word, through worship, through community. And, and um, we just believe that God shows up in these spaces. And so uh, if you're new to that, we're going to gather around the word of God. We're going to open the book up to the book of James today. We've been gathering around James for several weeks now and just looking at a series called Essentials really dealing with the essentials of faith. James is a gangster, man. James, he says some hard stuff. He comes at us uh, with some great truth. And, and what he's doing is he's trying to speak to believers that uh, were bragging about their faith, but weren't very mature in faith. 
Um, they were, they believed in Jesus, uh, but they thought they could get grace and then just live however they wanted. Like Sunday church was cool, but then Monday to Saturday, they weren't really serving God or weren't walking in maturity of faith. So, so the theme of James is really uh, mature, grow up in your faith, uh, live out your faith, be authentic in your faith, be real in your faith. We've looked at trials. We've looked at temptations. Uh, we've looked at the truth last week. And so this week we're going to look at the tongue. Uh, James has a lot to say about the tongue and, and how we speak and what we say. And so let's jump into the book. James chapter three, uh, he really gives us a picture of our, of our tongue and our speech. And, and it's for the point of telling us to be real and authentic in our faith, to mature with what's on the inside of us. So James says this, three, one through 12. Uh, if you got it, say, I got it. If you don't, say you're looking. You can look on the screens if you need it. Here we go. James 3, 1 through 12. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we will receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. It is set on fire by hell. Wow. Come on, James. Welcome to church. James ain't playing. Verse 7. So every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. It's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our God and Father, and with it, we curse men who've been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus, no spring yields both salt water and fresh water. My title for today, very simply, is tongue-tied. Tongue-tied. Let's pray real quick. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that uh, you've given us the Holy Spirit to help our hearts grow and, and mature in faith. Holy Spirit, show us Jesus today. Uh, help us to tame our tongue. Help us to learn how to, how to see um, what you want to grow us in and mature us in today. We're open to you. We need you, Holy Spirit. Guide and direct us on this thought of our tongue. In Jesus' name, amen. Tongue-tied. Uh, my wife, Sandra, uh, growing up in high school, she actually had um, a, a huge attack on her from the enemy. Uh, Satan knew that she was going to be used by God in a great way. And so um, he really went after her and she would get these uh, glandular cell cysts or tumors throughout her body. And um, she'd get them in her hands and she'd just have little ones removed. Well, the enemy attacked her in high school, I think about 10th grade, uh, with those in her tongue, actually. And so she got these tumors or cysts in her tongue. And, and the doctors began to diagnose it and looked at it. And they, at one point, thought they were going to have to remove her entire tongue. Um, and that, that was uh, obviously uh, devastating news. And so when they went to, to do surgery, her mother uh, began to pray and fast and got a prayer chain going around the country and just said, could you please pray for my daughter's tongue that they don't have to remove her whole tongue? And so when they went in for surgery, the doctors came out. And sure enough, God did a miracle. And he removed, uh, he actually was just kind of tentacles that went down the back of the tongue. And so the doctors were able to just scrape and get most of the, the tumor and not, not have to remove her tongue. They did have to cut out like half of her tongue and then fold her tongue in a way 
And so, as you can imagine, after the surgery, it was a very uh, interesting recovery process. I mean, <clears throat> she couldn't talk real well, and it was like uh, every time she spoke, she'd go somewhere with her friends or go somewhere to order you know, a, a meal or go out at a, at a convenience store or whatever, and it was like they were holding the tongue, and so she had to talk like this. Whenever she went, she'd talk like this. And so, obviously, it was very... Uh, uh, frustrating. It was kind of embarrassing. It, it, like her friends were embarrassed. She was embarrassed. Uh, a lot of times the clerks were like, oh, dear, sweetie, are you, you know, I'm so, so are you okay? You know, everybody treated her different and it was awkward and embarrassing. Uh, what James is telling us is this, if we don't get our tongue under control, if our tongue gets tied, we're going to, we're going to be in awkward and embarrassing situations in life. We're going to feel embarrassed. Our tongue's going to get us in trouble. People are going to feel sorry for you. Your, your faith is not going to grow and mature. And you're going to be in moments that you wish you weren't in because your tongue is tied and getting you in trouble. I don't know about you. Anybody ever had their tongue get them in trouble? I know uh, for me, you guys know me, you hear me every week. It's like my tongue can get me in trouble sometimes. And uh, I remember uh, my kids were in, I think, second and fifth grade and um, uh, second and, and, and yeah, fourth grade, I think, and then, and then first grade. And uh, we decided to go to um, the Knoxville Rodeo. And uh, we took our staff there just to hang out. Pastor Emery was with us. It was funny. Sean Phillips, another friend of mine. And I think there were only two black guys at the whole Knoxville Rodeo. You know what I'm saying? And like, so we're, we're just trying, we're just laughing about it. And like, if you've never been to the Knoxville Rodeo, you are not missing much. And, uh, but we went and we, we had a good time. We took our little kids and um, the rodeo half show or whatever, I don't know if it's a halftime show, whatever, the rodeo show, there's this clown comes out and uh, they've got this music playing and the music starts cranking and it's the song, I like big butts and I cannot lie. And uh, my wife looks at me and my kids are cracking up. And, uh, and so we get in the car and like the little, the jingle sticks in my kid's head. And so they're first grade, second grade, fourth grade, and they go to school and my two boys are singing, I like big butts and I cannot lie, you know, and I'm like, we're getting calls from the teacher and my wife's like, uh, uh, we don't sing that, like, no, we're not going to say that, we can't sing that. And, um, and, and, and the song got stuck in my head because, come on, somebody, we're from the 90s, you know what I'm saying? And that's our, that was, we had some of that song. And, and, uh, and so it got stuck in my head. And I'm driving, and uh, my wife's in the passenger seat. And I just, somehow I'm like, I like big butts. And, I, and it just comes out. And my wife looks at me and says, excuse me? And I was like, I mean, I mean, I mean, I, I like, I, I don't like big butts. I like one big butt. And she's like, excuse me? I'm like, I mean, I mean, my, I was just tongue tied. Come on. You ever had your tongue get you in trouble? I didn't know what to say. James is teaching us about the tongue that it's actually uh, has so much control over our life. He, he compares it to several things. And I'm going to give you uh, three or four thoughts here on what he compares the tongue to. The first thing he compares the tongue to is a bit and a rudder. He said it's a bit and a rudder, that, that it actually has the power to direct your life. Write that down. Number one, your tongue has the power to direct your life. What you say matters. The words coming out of your mouth matters. James begins to teach us, don't desire to be a teacher. Don't desire to be an instructor. Don't desire. Right off the bat, he goes, listen, your words have influence. And, and if you want to be a teacher, uh, these believers were wanting to be teachers and leaders and pastors. And they wanted it for like the esteem or, or the position. And uh, James is saying, listen, if you don't want to be, you, you don't want to do that because there's a stricter judgment. 
There's a stricter, there's a stricter judgment from God because your words have so much influence, how you use them to paint a picture of a good God. A teacher or a pastor is supposed to paint the picture that God is good and, and gracious and generous and kind and, and long suffering. And this, this New Testament God we have, and, and James is saying, be careful if you don't love people and you don't want to paint a picture of a, of a good God, then, then don't be a teacher. Don't be a pastor. Don't do that. Don't be a connect group leader if it's not about people. Like, like our heart here as pastors and leaders and connect group leaders is about people. It's like, that's what it, this is all about. And James is saying that your words are going to influence things. And, and, and as a teacher, that you have to paint a picture of who God is accurately. Come on, many of us today are still trying to get over an inaccurate picture and a wrong representation of who we saw God as based on, based on different teachings that we have or growing up and different, different things that we saw. And God's trying to say, no, 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 you, you, you need to influence with your words about me in a different way. The Bible says that Jesus went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Come on. Jesus is better than you think. You serve a God of the second chance, a God of greatness, a God that actually stooped down to our level to, to allow us to get up to his level. And sometimes we need to understand that we can influence people for the glory of God and, and that we're accepted by God and we're accepted in Christ and you can come home anytime. And that, that's what James is saying. Like you've got to paint the right picture of God that your tongue has power to influence and direct. He says it's a bit and a rudder. It controls a horse. It controls a ship. It says that a ship that's beat by waves and winds can actually be turned by one little rudder. Think about this. Your tongue has the power to overcome and direct your life through contrary forces. I mean, through hell and storms and trials and, and temptations, James is saying that your tongue actually has the power to, to direct you and, and help you overcome uh, just, just hurt and, and, and situations and temptations and, and sin and your flesh. And there's so much power in this tongue. He's saying that it can direct your life and our words, our words just have power. And I think that if you would begin to understand that, and we, myself, and you together, and as a community, and as a people, as believers, we would mature and understand how much power our words have, we begin to see our life go in a different direction. I would say to you, if you want your life to go in a different direction, allow the declaration of your mouth to go in a different direction. Begin to declare something different with your tongue and with your mouth. Put the words of God in your mouth and begin to send your words in a new direction. You'll see your life go in a new direction. I, I believe that some of the biggest directions in our life, in my life anyway, and, and I believe in your life as well, are initiated by a few small words. I mean, think about, think about a few small words that you use that have directed your entire life. I do. Come on. Come on. That was the best day, right? I do. And it's still a glorious day in Jesus' name. Come on. I do. I will. I promise. I will never. You know, think about the yeses that you said. Yes. No, I promise. Think about the no's that you said that directed your life. Think about the no that you didn't say. Come on, think about the no you didn't say that directed your life. The no to that first drink or the no to that first pill or that first back seat or that first bedroom. Come on, just think, think about the power of words. What you say matters and it can direct your entire life. James is saying that these words, this tongue can direct our life. The second thing, he says a tongue is a fire. It's a beast. It's a it's a poisonous uh, instrument in our mouth. The second thing you need to write down is this. Your tongue has the power to destroy. Number one, it has the power to direct, but it also has the power to destroy. That there's, there's this tongue in our mouth and it's like a weapon of mass destruction and it can either destroy everything or bring health to everything. And James is saying, come on, just a little spark sets a huge fire. 
Years ago, I got stuck in a fire. I was on the third floor of a building, warehouse building that, that the fire started on the first floor. So I, I wasn't actually in imminent danger, but I got surrounded by smoke. But when, when everything settled, all the ashes were settled, it was about $300,000 worth of damage to, to the goods in that warehouse and the smoke damage. And it permeated everything on three floors. And, and uh, when they finally found the cause and the culprit, the fireman came down to one little tiny cigarette that one of the guys in the warehouse had just flicked over uh, and it hit a mattress. And that, that little cigarette smolded and caught a mattress on fire. And that tiny spark destroyed $300,000 worth of property. Come on, the, the tiniest words and the tiniest spark from your mouth can destroy a home, can destroy a church, can destroy a friendship, a relationship. James is saying, come on, we've got to mature. We've got to grow up. We've got to allow God to do some things with our tongue. He's saying the tongue is so powerful. It's a fire starter. We're supposed to tame it. We can tame beasts. We can tame animals. But he says, no man can tame the tongue. It's an unruly beast is what he says. The scriptures say that it's hard for us to tame it. I was uh, on a safari as well years ago. Went to Africa on a mission trip, and um, we drove through this little drive. It wasn't a real safari; it was a little drive-through safari, a little tourist trap. And we're driving through, and they got the lions everywhere. And you just drive through your car and look at the lions. These lions look so lazy. I mean, these are lazy lions, but I promise you, they said, do not get out of the car. Do not stop the car. You open up the car, you're going to get eaten by the lions. They're hungry. And so we didn't. We didn't get out of the car. I don't know if you've ever been to the zoo. I hate snakes. You ever gone to the zoo and looked at those poisonous snakes behind the glass and they're glassed in and it's like they can kill you with one deadly bite. You know, I'm like, oh man, I just cringe. And like, what if one of those got loose in your house? Like just like, would you, what would you do? One deadly snake, like you saw it, went in the gutter, went into through the floor vent or something is in your bait, whatever. You wouldn't rest. You would not stop until you found that thing, till you killed that thing, till you chopped that thing's head off, till you figured it out. out you couldn't stay in your house. Couldn't sleep there. We would never let loose hungry lions in our home. We would never let loose poisonous deadly snakes in our home. Why do we think it's okay to let loose an untamed tongue in our homes? It does the same damage. The Bible's saying it does this, it has the same poison. James is just saying, listen, don't build fires. Don't burn stuff down. Don't bite with the tongue. And then, and then he kind of begins to tell us how to tame the tongue, gives us some examples. So number one, your tongue can direct your life. Number two, it can destroy life and your life as well. And then he shows us some ways to actually tame the tongue. And a lot of us think <clears throat> that to tame the tongue, <clears throat> excuse me, we just have to not say anything. Anybody ever been like, just if you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at all. And just, you know, zip it. You know, we tell our kids that just, and sometimes we feel that way. Just don't say anything at all. And uh, that's really not the way to tame the tongue. That's actually false. It's actually not authentic. It's actually fake. And James is saying, don't live fake. <clears throat> we don't just put a, a, a tape over our mouth and try to not use our words. What James says is that your tongue and your, and your, your, your tongue and your heart are connected. The mouth and the heart are connected. And so so whatever's coming out of your mouth is actually in your heart. And so what James teaches us is this. If you actually want something different to come out of your mouth, you have to change what's in your heart. You have to allow God to heal your heart. You have to let Jesus get a hold and change your heart. The tongue, the Bible says, is actually set on fire by hell. It doesn't have to be set on fire by hell. Come on, it doesn't have to be. James, it actually says that your tongue can be set on fire by heaven. And so if you, want your, if you want your tongue and your mouth to be set on fire by heaven, your heart has to be set on fire by heaven, which means Jesus has to get a hold of your heart. You can allow the Holy Spirit. No man can tame the tongue, <clears throat> but the Holy Spirit 
can gain control over the tongue as you give him access to your heart. And now all of a sudden, your tongue is set on fire by heaven. You're talking about the goodness of God and the purpose of God and talking about things that are of a good report and holy and true and vision and godly and purpose and direction and overcoming and blessing. And now your mouth begins to take on a different aspect because your heart's full of the things of God. here's Here's the answer. The answer is not to just to shut your mouth more. The answer is to make your mouth useful for God and useful for the purposes of God. And if you can think that way in your home and in your church and your community and at your job, all of a sudden things begin to be directed different. If you want your mouth to be set on fire, let your heart be set on fire. Look at Luke 6, 45. It's the heart. Jesus says this, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil things. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What's coming out of you has been sitting on the inside of you. Everything coming out of you, Jesus says, has actually been a reservoir of what's in you. Write this down. Number three, bitter waters produce bitter words. And so James is telling us that if your heart is envious and and bitter and angry and jealous and and you've got hurt in your heart, that's what's going to come out of your mouth. I know that when someone's nasty or when someone's mean or when there's poison coming out of their mouth or someone's angry with me, what they're really just saying is, man, I've been hurt. I've been abused. I've been abandoned. I've been neglected. And they're, they're actually just lashing out from this place of hurt. And Jesus today, listen, some of you have that in your heart. I've had that in my heart. There's things I'm dealing with in my own heart. Jesus wants to have access to our heart and allow the Holy Spirit to begin to heal things that are on the inside of us so that actually something new can begin to be coming out of our mouth. We don't have to stay broken. We don't have to stay bitter. We don't have to stay hurt. You don't have to stay angry. Allow Jesus to heal you, make you whole from the inside. You can never produce good words if you don't let God heal your heart. And so I know sometimes we focus on the tongue and what we say, but if God doesn't do the, <clears throat> do the work on the inside, if God doesn't heal your heart, you can't just produce good words. It, it'll, the bitterness will eventually come out. You can only hold it so long. It could, it's not authentic. And James is saying, live authentic in your faith. God does this. This is the good news. God heals from the source. He heals from the inside. He heals me from the interior, from the heart. James is saying, come on, let us deal with the root of bitterness. Let us deal with the envy. Let us deal with the jealousy. Let God deal with the pain or the abuse or the neglect. Let God deal with some things, really. Let him handle it. And then all of a sudden now we'll have control over our mouth when we allow God to control our heart. That's a very powerful thought. He says it this way. James says, no spring yields both salt water and fresh water. He says it's impossible. Like, like, like it doesn't even make sense that you can't, you can't bless God and then curse people that are made in the same image. And he, re- he likens it to, to the source of water. And he's talking about the source. And here's what I would tell you. If your tongue is constantly inconsistent, not, not that you slip up here and there, but, but if your tongue is constantly inconsistent, then you have a problem at the root. You have a problem at the source. It's a heart issue that God's saying, man, I'll, I really want to heal that. James is saying, look, we have these two sources, these two streams, fresh water and, and, and salt water, and it shouldn't be like that. It shouldn't be so. Come on, anybody ever dealt with two streams? I, I know, I know I got, you can, listen, you can be like singing Jesus and this is how I do my battles and oceans, you know, all the songs. I li- listen to the hill song, going to church, whatever you're doing and, 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 and be in one stream and all of a sudden the next day, like the, the other stream comes out like, I hate everybody. Come on, anybody like, like just Jesus, hashtag my best life ever. You know, it's just like, it's amazing. And the next day, like, ah, ah, ah. 
just hate everybody. You know, it's, it's two streams. I know for me, when the streams show up in my life, I could be worshiping, loving God, going on a date with my wife, Friday night, pulling into a parking lot. I got traffic troubles, guys. Come on, somebody. Like, I, I get parking lot rage a little bit. My wife gets nervous in parking lots, especially if I'm hungry. We're going on a date, and like, like I, I can be, we can be in the flow. One stream of worship, got some Kirk Franklin on, got a little, got a little, you know, got some good music on, getting my, getting the date prepared in the car, just, okay, it's going to be a good night, and then all of a sudden, somebody's trying to take my parking spot. I see somebody pulling out. They get a little bit closer. I've got, I go into full court parking lot pressure mode pressure that's my theory i pressure it i get right up on them i actually angle my car to where that car can't get out except in one direction so the car that's trying to wait can't get in because that car blocks them and they won't they won't move out because they feel i'm too close but there's plenty of room and i'm saying there's plenty of room my wife's like you got you're too close i'm like it's full court defensive pressure parking lot i'm hungry it's my spot go from worshiping to full court pressure Oh no, that's how I do it in the parking lot. My wife's like, back off their car. She's like, they're 90. I'm like, they've got room. She's like, they can't see. I'm like, it's all, it's not good, guys. It's not good. Like, like I need God to heal. You need God to heal some things in your heart. These two streams, James is saying, come on, God wants to do heart surgery for me. He wants to do heart surgery for you today. Your heart and your mouth are connected. If you want something to begin to come out that's different out of your mouth, you got to change the heart. You can't just conceal it. You can't just cover it up. You can't just be healed from the outside. You can't just grab the tongue and control it because if the heart doesn't change, it's phony, it's fake. James wants us to be authentic. He wants us to be real in our faith. He goes on and he tells us in a couple more verses, I'm gonna close up with you. He tells us this. He says, we have to have wisdom to actually tame the tongue. And he talks about a life of wisdom, this life that actually is wise and and what the mouth should do and say and how it should live. He says it, it, you know, the, the tongue directs our life. The tongue can destroy our life. That, that bitter, bitter waters uh, develop bitter words. Like if something is, isn't healed in your heart, then you're going to have these words coming out. And then, he, and then he goes into wisdom and talks to us about getting wisdom from, a he, from above, from heaven. And it really has to do with the heart. Look what the message version says in James 13 through 16. Do you want to be counted wise? Like that comes from by what you say, right? Like to build a reputation for wisdom. Here's what you do. Live well, live wisely, live humbly. It's the way you live, not just the way you talk that counts. Mean-spirited ambition isn't wisdom. Boasting that you are wise isn't wisdom. Twisting the truth to make yourself sound wise isn't wisdom. It's the furthest thing from wisdom. It's animal cunning. It's devilish conniving. Come on. I mean, help me, Jesus, right? Like, how often do we try to sound wise, be wise, be right, like go at people to, to make our argument? And come on, I, I could be guilty of that. And it's saying, that's not, that's not wisdom. He says, whenever you're trying to look better than others or get the better of others, things fall apart and end up, and everyone ends up at each other's throats. He's talking about what's in our hearts, really, like, like to get wisdom and to get, to get God in our life. And, 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 and what does real wisdom look like? Number four, you can write this down. Real wisdom, I think, just lets your life do the talking. Like, I think we're so worried about the tongue sometimes. Let God heal the heart and then just, just write it down. Just let your life do the talking. You, you don't have to prove anything when you're walking in wisdom. Like, I don't have to advertise wisdom. It's just my life. Like, like I'm just gonna live and let, let the wisdom speak for itself. There's a verse that says, wisdom is proven by our children. Like, like just look at the fruit of your life. Like, how are, you, how are your relationships? Just keep loving people. Keep having relationships. Keep, keep building the house of God. Keep loving people in the community. 
Just let that speak for itself. You don't have to brag or, or prove that you're wise, James is saying. Don't be phony. Don't be phony, he says. Don't be, don't be selfish and devilish. Because like when we're trying to brag on ourselves, it's selfish because it's all about me and what I have and what I don't have. And what, he, what James is saying is if you have envy and, and hurt and bitterness and things in your heart that you don't allow God to heal, you're going to end up trying to prove yourself and be wise and, and show everybody what you got and, and brag on yourself and, and, and promote yourself because you feel insecure and you're going to feel small inside. You could get all the money and all the things into your life and, and, and try to fill up on all that, but you'll still be empty if you don't allow God to heal the hole that's inside of there and allow God to have access to your heart. It, 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 you're not small. Come on, you're not small. You've got, you got the God of the universe on the inside of you if you're a believer. If you've given your life to God, the Holy Spirit lives in you. The one that created the universe lives inside of you. You've got a big God. You are big. You're huge. You have a purpose in God. You've got a great God, a great calling, a great purpose, a great glorious reason and cause to live on the inside of you. You're never going to be small. You only feel small because you see yourself small and you haven't allowed God to fill those places in your heart that seem small. Let God have access to heal some things. It's just, this is what wisdom is. Just let your life do the talking. My kids play soccer in a soccer game the other day and one of the teams was getting beat five to zero and this team they played was amazing. They're getting beat five to zero and the, the, the kids that were getting beat five to zero and they were losing, they went down and they're pressing to make a goal and I, they score one goal and they just start taunting the other team and high five and, and I'm just and there's only like eight minutes left in the game or something I'm like oh gosh I'm in the stands I'm embarrassed I'm like guys don't do that like y'all are losing five to zero now it's five to one you're taunting and bragging and, and you're hitting your high five and don't do that guys that just it's not it's that you don't have to be arrogant and cocky like you're losing right now come on insecure people have to taunt and brag and and boast and 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 build themselves and trash talk when you're insecure, you have to do that. If you just walk in God's grace and you're secure, you just got the, the wisdom of God. Wisdom is being grateful and gentle and getting along with others. James goes on and tells us this. You can write this down. A wise tongue starts with gratefulness. It's right there. You can take that just right there. Just take that for today. That's all you need. A wise tongue. If you want your tongue to be wise, it starts with gratefulness instead of envy and jealousy and comparison and competition. Man, just grateful. Like, thank you, God. Thank you that I'm in my right mind. Thank you that I've got a family. Thank you that I'm healthy. Thank you I'm not lying in a hospital bed. Thank you that I've got a great church. And I've got a job. I've got clothes on. God. I'm, I'm, I'm in my right mind. Like, thank you, God. For me, like, I just, I'm so thankful and grateful to God, like, for my life, for his goodness and his greatness. Like, I was going to hell. I was, I was gonna, I was gonna split out wide open. Now I'm going to heaven. I didn't deserve it. I didn't earn it. Like, thank you, God. You found me. I was blind and I can see now. I was bound in addiction and hurt and pain and you healed me and brought me out of that. Gave me a purpose and a call. I praise you, God. I give you sacrifices of praise. Come on, gratefulness. What would our mouths sound like and our life be like if we were just a little more grateful? If our words were more grateful? What if our words were more gentle? I mean, James is going deep, man. Our, our words just being more gentle. James says this, wisdom is gentle. Verse 17 through 18 in the message, and I'm going to wrap up. 17 through 18 says this, real wisdom, God's wisdom, begins with a holy life. See, these believers were just living however they wanted. They thought they could get grace and they just live however they wanted. 
And that's what many of us do. That's what many of you do. You think this, I got grace. I'm, I'm a grace preacher. You know that. But, but James has given us some depth and maturity saying, no, you don't just live however you want. It, it, the real wisdom, God's wisdom starts with a holy life. And then it says this, and is characterized by getting along with others. Uh-oh, somebody. <laughs> it is gentle and reasonable, overflowing with mercy and blessings. Not hot one day and cold the next, not two-faced. You can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoys its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other. You hear that? Like, it's hard work. Treating each other with dignity and honor. James is saying that fiery words are are painful and destroy and they're demonic they're abrasive and it's saying that real wisdom is actually gentle like like as christians we shouldn't be arrogant and prideful and harsh and abrasive and rude we shouldn't be we should be the most gentle people think about jesus when they went to drag jesus away to be slaughtered it says he was led like a lamb to the slaughter and he opened his mouth not one word he didn't make he didn't pee not one word he didn't yell out he didn't scream he didn't say what are you doing he didn't he didn't say do you know who i am he didn't say, I'm, come on, I'm God. I could destroy all of y'all. Snap, come on, Thor, end game. Snap. <laughs> could have done any of that. Jesus didn't do any of that. He was gentle and gracious. A sign that you are real in your faith and not phony is that you're able to get along with others. Come on, help us, Jesus. It should concern you. It should really concern you if you have a trouble getting along with people, playing nice with others and getting along with, with your family or your coworkers, it should concern you. James says, if we have real faith, if we have authentic faith, deep, real faith, not just saying, oh, I believe in Jesus. Like if we have real faith, we'll do the hard work of getting along with other people and that we can actually have a robust community, a robust church, a, a robust city, a robust country. If we'll do the hard work of talking to each other and getting along with each other and figuring out how to work together. My, my wife, Sandra, when we were raising our kids early on, one of my kids was a hitter. Come on, anybody have a kid that just hit all the other kids? And my kid was kind of tough, and that was his love language, like smacking you. And so we'd go to different people's houses to hang out, and my wife would do play dates with people, and she'd have to, like, warn them, like, he, he's a hitter. You know, and, like, this one family, I mean, their kids were kind of sissy. They're two boys. <laughs> That's just what it was. And so my boy's hitting them, and it's not right. We discipline him and try to make, you know, try to you know, strengthen him. But the other kids would, like, whine and stuff, even when he didn't touch them. But, but we were just trying to tell them, and, and they wanted to have play dates. And my wife finally had to go to the lady and say, listen, we want to hang out. I know that it feels, because it was awkward. The lady's like, you know, you, are you, we discipline our kid, but it was just my kid's hitting, and so it was awkward. So Sandra just finally went to her and said, listen, we want to come hang out. We love play dates. I love you. I love the, your family. My kids like to play. But I just got to tell you, a disclaimer on it, my kid's going to hit your kid. <laughs> he's just gonna hit him and uh just so you know like i'll correct him i'll discipline him we're gonna teach him not to we're working our best but he's gonna hit your kid socially do you have to have a disclaimer on everywhere you go like 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 relationally do do people have to put a warning out when you show up Is, is there always a disclaimer on your dialogue like, you hear what it sounds like. Well, that's just, well, if you really knew them, well, I don't think I want to. <laughs> well, 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 that's just not who they really are. Like, that's just not, that's just not really, like, there's disclaimer on the dialogue with wherever you show up. Well, that's not really who, that's not what they really meant. 
well that's not how it, it just sounded wrong well if you just got to know them or, or people say well that's just who I am take it or leave it I'll leave it like, do we need a dialogue and, and have a disclaimer on this dialogue because we can't get along with people? And I don't think that we should have that as believers. I don't think that we should show up and have to be warning people where we go. I think that God's saying, listen, you can actually have the way you speak and the way you talk and the way you act change by changing your heart. All these people were bragging about their faith in the book of James. The believers were bragging about their faith. I believe, I believe. And James is saying, cool, cool, you believe. You believe, cool, big deal, big deal. The big deal is taming the tongue and talking gentle and talking gracious and, and doing the hard work of getting along with each other and others. I think that uh, God wants to do some things in our heart today. And so I'm gonna close up and, and my prayer is this. One of our pastors is gonna come and, and pray with you. But if you're, if you're tongue-tied and, and you've been having some tongue trouble, you've been really just allowing your tongue to get you in trouble and you just can't tame it and you thought well the only hope is just to zip it and not talk and i'm not gonna if you've been feeling like that you're having really heart trouble it's not about tongue, your tongue it's not about tongue trouble and god today i think wants to cleanse our hearts so i'm asking you just to open your heart up right now and give the holy spirit access to cleanse and to to heal some things in our heart right now come on y'all wasn't that a good message so glad he left us with that before we went on vacation. Such a good message. Just stand with me if you would. Stand with me. Pastor Jamie said he, and he impressed this upon me. He said, I really feel like people just need to work on this and, and people are struggling with maybe some of the stuff that's going on coming out of their heart and spilling out to other people that's, that's taken away from who Jesus is in their life. So if you'd bow your heads with me right now, I just want to, I just want to ask you, I know I struggle with this. God has worked on me over these years and, and really helped me get better at this, but still I struggle and, and sometimes I say things that, that take away from who Jesus is in my life. And so if, if any of y'all are struggling with that right now, Pastor just wanted me to pray for you. If you're struggling with, with, with what you say and the words and, and want to get a better control of just raise your hand with me. Hands, hands all over the house. Hands all over the house. I got my hand up too. I just want to pray with you. Heavenly Father, you see our hands and you know our hearts. You know we want to represent you to the best of our ability every day. And sometimes just that old stuff that's caught up inside of us, it just spills out into other people and we take away what you're doing in our life. Father, we pray that you would heal us. We pray that we would walk out of here today changed, that you've healed us, that you've, that you've helped us get over these things that, that, that are spilling out onto others, Lord. We want to be Jesus when we talk. We want to be Jesus when we walk into a room. We want people to see and hear Jesus and know that our lives have been impacted by you. That's what we want, Father. We pray that you would just heal us right now, heal our mouths, heal our hearts, help us to represent you everywhere we go, to our families, to our friends. In Jesus' name, we love you. All heads bowed still, all eyes closed. Maybe, maybe you're struggling with you just need to surrender to God today. Maybe you say, you know, I've been coming here for a few weeks, maybe a couple months. Maybe this is your first day here, and you're saying, I just, I just, I just need to surrender. All heads are still bowed. No one's looking around. We're going to give you an opportunity. We're going to give you an opportunity to surrender to God and make that fresh start with him today. God will change your life. I'm going to count to three. One, God is, God is chasing you down right now. He's been, he's been after you too. God is, God wants you. He's pulling on your heart right now. Three, if that's you, just shoot your hand up to me right now. I see that hand. 
I see that hand. I see that hand. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. I see that hand. I'm just going to lead you in a prayer. You can pray this prayer in your heart right, right there at your seats. Heavenly Father, you see these hands. You see these hands, Lord God. Your word says, if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we shall, we shall be saved. It's that easy, Father. You see our hands. We surrender our lives to you. We know we've been running from you for a while, Father. We know you're here to save us. We thank you, Lord God. It's just that simple, just when we cry out to you, Father. We thank you for saving us this day. We're going to walk out of these doors into that parking lot, a changed person. People are going to see a difference in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Y'all give God a hand clap and a shout of praise.